you again to those who are teaching our kids today. Uh, I say this all the time, three years we can teach a kid the entire gospel. Uh, and thank you to the teachers. My, my phone showed me that Avery King broke into the church. I got a, an alarm so that she could prepare for teaching the kids today. So totally excused. <laughs> no, well done. Thank you. And uh, if, you, if you've never served uh, with our kids before, uh, we have a curriculum that we go through. And so everyone um, sort of takes a turn. And uh, about once every six weeks, you're sort of up to bat on that deal. So uh, it's, it's not asking uh, too much, and it's a joy to do. So um, if you can pass a background check, we would love for you to jump in there and serve and, and teach them. And of course, there's a material that you go through. So uh, if, if you've not found a place to serve and that's something that you enjoy doing, uh, we would love for you to do that. Uh, today's message has uh, been on my heart for, I don't know, six weeks, two months. I've thought about this literally every single day. And uh, we, we've been preparing for what we're talking about this week and what we're talking about next week. Um, we've been preparing for this, and I'll, I'll jog your memory. Uh, last week, I was not here. I had COVID. It was very mild. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, uh, but the two weeks before that, we were leading up to today and, and to next week. Uh, and, and we started out by talking about how we cannot go it alone. There's just very little success rate uh, when we are by ourselves, okay? And so we need the church, and this is the way that God has, uh, has built us, and this is his gift to us is the church. And so if you're online today, thank you for being online. Make sure you uh, throw out something in the comments so nobody feels like they're by themselves today. Uh, and, and we're praying for those of you who are sick, by the way. But you cannot go it alone. You need the church. And, and there are things that you think that you will not ever get over. You will not overcome at any point. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. You've tried, but you've never actually sought help. And there's a big difference. Uh, and then the next week, we, were, we, we basically closed with one pressing question. And that brings us to today. And that question is, is Jesus worth giving up everything? Is he worth giving up all that I have? Is the value of my Savior greater than the value of everything else that I have? And so I ask you all to be pondering that question. I hope that you have gotten to the bottom of that question in your own heart because no one can answer that for you. And so today I want to talk to you who have answered that question with yes. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you are convinced that yes, you need your church. And, and we talked about this. It's hard to trust people, especially if you, have, if you have a background. It's hard to trust people. You've been betrayed. But remember, we're not trusting people with our souls. We're not trusting people with our, our, our happiness. We're trusting people with accountability, okay? Uh, there has to be able to, there's a flawed human on the other side of the seesaw, Okay? And there has to be. Jesus set up the church as his vehicle to bring you closer to him. And the church is people. This is the grand building. Welcome to the grand building. To your left and right, behind you and in front of you, that's the church. Okay? Uh, so we have to allow flawed people in. But if you are convinced of that and you think that possibly the value of a relationship with Jesus is greater than the value of everything else that you have, this is for you. Today I want to talk about getting closer to God. We'll talk about this for the next few weeks, and I want you to get closer to God. I hope that was your New Year's resolution. You're like, well, January is almost over. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but you got to get your mind right. you got to get your mind right, okay? If you're going to lose weight, if you're going to get in shape, if you're going to get closer to God, before I can start on those things, I've got to get my mind right. You all know what I'm talking about? I know you do, unless you're, in, unless you're under three. <laughs> you know, I've got to be in that headspace, right? I've got to get this down right. So if, if you're there, here we go. We begin today. I'm going to take you into 1 Peter chapter 1. 
Uh, we were in First Peter chapter 1 the last time I was here. And in between that, Pastor Dusty Purvis delivered a heck of a message. How about that? Fantastic job. Some of y'all called and asked me to resign, and I was like, hold on, let me finish this series first, okay? I got something on my mind. First Peter chapter 1, Lord, I pray you'll speak this to us. Holy Spirit, be with us. We invite you. Minister to us in Jesus' name, amen. First Peter 1, 13, that's where I will begin. All the scripture will be on the screen. So you're like, I, I didn't even bring my Bible. It's chill. It, you're, you're okay. Nobody expects you to be a Bible scholar. Nobody expects you uh, to be perfect in this place. In fact, if you are, you, you're probably not going to fit in well um, because you're going you're gonna to really look down on us. So, uh, in fact, if you don't have a Bible, we have them. They're a gift for you. As you exit today, please grab one of those. Uh, it is not a burden for us. It's a joy for you to take one. All we ask is that you read it. We believe that God will speak directly to you. You don't need me. I'm here just like sort of as a prophet, not like a predicting the future prophet, just saying, look, this is where in the Bible I think we are today, right? And that's, that's what I do. But God will speak to you directly. So that's the most important thing. Grab a Bible, go home, write. You've got a note card. You, you have, you've got a connection card. It has a note section on it. Write it down. Go fact check me, okay? I want you to do that. First Peter 1.13. All the scriptures on the screen behind me. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're talking about getting closer to God. And, and, and we're in 1 Peter 1.13, and it starts with therefore. Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you have to look behind it and see what it's got it and see what it's there for, right? Anytime it starts with therefore, you look behind and see what it's there for. Let me catch you up. He's talking about your salvation, okay? Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, because salvation has come into the world, this is available. So because salvation has come into the world, therefore, this is available. And that's where we're at. We're talking about what is available, okay? Uh, and, and it starts with this. Therefore, with your minds ready for action. Some of your Bibles will say uh, prepared. With your minds prepared. Uh, in, in the original language, uh, this word for preparation or this word for being ready is the same as like girding up a belt, which we don't really do the whole turban and miniskirt thing like they used to. Uh, the closest thing I can give you is, do you remember getting ready for a football game and you had the little double loop thing and when it's go time, cinch that baby up, right? Because we're going, you're preparing. Like, that's all part of the, the mental game. I'm preparing for action. I'm getting ready. Mind space, okay? That's why we've been talking about uh, this for two or three weeks, because we're preparing our mind. Remember, it's not too, too late. You don't have to start a New Year's resolution on January 1. It doesn't have to be a New Year's resolution. It could just be a desire to get closer to God. And here's where we want to move, okay? We want to move from I'm not going to do that right now to that's not the kind of person I am. This is the headspace I want you to be in, okay? For example, when you go on a diet, you walk by our donut table, which is completely inappropriate. It's church. You know there are no calories. So you walk by the donut table, and you're like, I'm on a diet, but I'll see you in a month, blueberry donut, right? I can't have you right now, but we'll have our moment. We will have our day in the sun, donut. Like, not right now, but, but we're going to get there. And so that's probably why your diet fails is because I'm just going to deny myself happiness right now. But then it's me and you, Donut. And I want to change from that to I'm not going to the Donuts. I'm going to stay over here with the black coffee because that's the kind of person I am. 
I'm the kind of person who makes healthy choices. Not only am I not taking you now, I'm never taking you blueberry donut. I'm sorry, we've had to, br- it's not you, it's me. But we are separating, okay? Do you understand the difference? That's, uh, Pastor Dusty and I, you, you know this, uh, he, he has uh, quite a history in addiction. And so he hears me counseling and speaking with people all the time and, and sometimes he will uh, jump in and correct me very lovingly. And he's like, no, no, no. Because uh, there are things in life that we can say, for now, I'm not going to do this. And I've, I've instructed you for that many times. Somebody comes to you and says, you know what? You have a problem with this. You have a problem with this. And you say, no, I don't. Do I have a problem with this? And you come to me and ask, do I have a problem with this? And so I say, hey, I'll tell you what. Well, see if you can uh, live without it for two weeks, and then you'll know if you have a problem. You know? And we'll talk about how some things are not necessarily goodbye forever. It's goodbye for now. And Dusty will often come in and correct me, and he's like, that's good for you? That's not okay for me. Dusty will tell you. He said, you could, you could maybe go and, and, and have one of these. I can't have one. I can't have any. There's no stopping for me. I have to stay away uh, completely. And so what he's decided is not just goodbye for now. He's decided that's not the kind of person I am anymore. That's not where I go. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. Right, and so we're we're preparing our our minds uh, to take action to live on offense. That's important because, and I'm not reading your journal, and I'm not following you on social media. If you don't post something funny, I didn't read it anyways, even if I do. You probably, for the majority of us in here, feel like you're living your life in reaction to your surroundings. It has been a long time since you have happened to the world. Every day the world is just happening to you. And it's like, I want to be this person, I want to be this person, I want to be this person, but I'm, I'm just busy. You know what we mean when we say that? All I have time to do is respond to what happens every day. I... I I haven't had the ball in years. I've just been playing defense. <laughs> it just, something happens and I respond to it. And something happens and I respond to it. And that's what I do at work and that's what I do at home. And it's just like all I have time to do is respond to all the chaos uh, that's going on. But it, the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. It, it's time for you to get the ball. We're going to stop them. They'll have to punt. You've got the ball. You better have your mind ready. If you don't choose who you walk with, if you don't choose to walk with the Lord, the world will choose who walks with you. You get that? If you don't choose who you walk with, the world will choose who walks with you. First day of college. (laughs) Who was the nicest to you? <laughs> yeah, and that's why college went the way it did, huh? Because if you don't choose who you walk with, the world will choose who walks with you, so you have to prepare your mind. I'm, I'm still in, in, in verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Talking about distractions here. Let's go to Ephesians 5. I want to read Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. I'm just going to base this in Scripture. My opinion should not really matter all that much. I'm glad that my opinion matters to you, but if it's not based in Scripture, then it's no good. So let's, let's uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Are the days evil? Okay? So choose how you walk, choose who you walk with and make the best use of your time. Why? Because the days are evil and your days are numbered. Your days are limited. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, we're gonna get there, but let's start with this. He says, be sober-minded. 
What does that mean, sober-minded? Well, sobriety almost always literally uh, refers to alcohol. Drunkenness has been a problem <laughs> for a long time, okay? But, but he's not saying be sober. He says be sober-minded. So he's literally extrapolating sobriety as we know it, as it pertains to alcohol, to everything that you do. Be sober-minded. Why? Because we want to get closer to God. Be sober-minded. Why? Because there's just some things that you're not supposed to do. Yeah, but that's defense. And we think about that. We think about all that God, I want to get closer to God, so here's what I can't do, and here's the other thing that I can't do, and here's the other thing I can't do, and I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to give all that up. Because we think defense. No, no, no. Be closer to God. I want you to think about the things that you will do. I want you to think about the lives that are depending on you, the souls that are at stake, your own family, your own children, even your own happiness. I want to be pleasing to God, not what does God not want me to do. How do I get closer to him? That's the difference in defense and offense. So have your mind prepared to go on offense, and so I'm sober-minded. Why? So that I can get closer to God. That raises a lot of questions. Let's look at it this way. And my kids are kind of gone, so you're going to have to bear with me. I was going to get Kate to do this with me. Uh, Kate is home sick today. But, I'm gonna grab a chair. If, and I'm just going to use sort of the example with children. We'll, we'll extrapolate off of that uh, momentarily. But you come home, right? And you get the call. Dad, will you help me with my homework? Now, we'll start with this because we're talking about being sober-minded. Well, first off, I'm reclined watching football in my underwear drinking a cold one, right? That, I shouldn't have said that. You're like, <laughs> you know, I'm just giving you the, I'm setting the mood. Now, unset the mood, okay? I'm in a robe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we'll ever recover from that. You're looking at me weird. And dad, will you, will you help me with my homework? And if I'm not sober in the most literal sense of the word, baby, daddy's not really in a math kind of mindset right now. Why don't you go talk to mom? I mean, that would, that would, that, that would, that, that's not atypical. That's something that would happen, right? Because if, if she wants help with her homework and I'm... At best, buzzing. We're probably not doing algebra right now. Right? I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily parenting offensively as it pertains to my child. And that was my New Year's resolution. I, mean, I, mean, I didn't tell you all that. Uh, but, you know, this is my New Year's resolution is, is, to, is to be with my kids more. But I came home and, and I'm, I'm not sober so am i going to be with my kids now sober-minded talks about more than just drunkenness though okay so what if she comes and she asks dad can you help me with my homework but i'm in a rage i may be watching football i mean i it, it doesn't matter because I'm in a rage, and I don't get out of it, because that's the kind of person that I am now. And in and a, and a small, will you help me with my homework, why don't you go ask your mother? Maybe she'll get off the dead gum phone with those men that she's been talking to. I can't trust her. Nobody in this house respects me. Go to your room. Why don't you do your homework? Sending you to school and paying taxes. What are they doing? You're watching Disney movies the whole stinking day in your classroom instead of being taught. Same question, but I'm in a rage. And some of you are like, well, that's out of character. And some of you are like, no, that's me, dude. You nailed it. <laughs> Let me ask you, was that sober-minded? Mm -mm. 
Now, how about this? Dad, will you help me with my homework? Uh, just, just a minute, baby, just a minute. And we just a minute those kids until it's bedtime because we're on our phone. If the 18-year-old version of you could see you now and see your screen time, you would get your butt kicked. I want you to just, I, I want you to, to, to just do me that favor. And, and I'm not, listen, I use a phone. I don't, I don't know how I would do ministry without a phone at this point. It's a tool. And so I say, well, look at your screen time. Well, I use it for work. We don't have a landline. It may never even have a landline anymore. If it does, it probably doesn't work, not in Eastland County. So, like, it's hard. Well, that doesn't tell the whole story because I work on my phone all day. True, but it does give you the breakdown of how much time you are texting, calling, social media. And yesterday was Saturday. So today's a good day to look at it so that you can see how long you were on it yesterday. And I'm telling you that the version of you that made that New Year's resolution, the version of you that was pre-cell phone would kick your butt today because you are mastered and you are drunk on your phone. And so literally being held from getting closer to God because I'm being held to an addiction. So whether it's actual drunkenness, whether it's I'm in a rage, mental drunkenness, or I'm on my phone, or a thousand other things that I could list. Some of y'all still playing Madden 2018. Binging it up all night. There's, there's nothing wrong. I mean, all of those things done in moderation can be okay. But we've allowed ourselves to get drunk on them. And so the Bible tells us to be sober-minded. Why? Because the days are evil. And so, I mean, it, it, it's just, it, it's, it's an excuse. And I say, my kid asked for homework. And you're like, well, listen, my kids are older than that, or my kids are, are younger than that, or, or I'm, not even, I'm not even married. I am a kid. That's, that's my parents. What does that have uh, to do, what does that have to do with me? Let me ask you this. For what job interview would you show up drunk? For what, for what job interview? Why? Because your job expects you to be on offense. For what blind date would you show up drunk? Right? And I'm talking about drunk on anything. And so I want to get closer to God. And so our response is, I just want to meet with you, God. I just want to be in your presence. I just want everything to be like Sunday when we worship. I just want, I want the whole week to be like that. Maybe the reason, and, and granted, yeah, of course, we're, we're going to worship when we're here for a worship service. But also, like, I think your best worship you're missing, it's at home by yourself when you're not insecure about how poorly you sing. You're just in your, in, in your own space and you're in your car and you can put on worship music and you can do that at home and have an even closer experience to God than maybe you even do here, but you're drunk on something. And so we can't play offense because we're not sober. And so I want to get close to God but I can't because something's in the way. I'm not sober. He says, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded. Let me ask you, do, do a quick cost analysis because we all have something. We all have something that we're like, you know what, this steals a lot of time from my life. We all do. This is not out of judgment for anyone, okay? 
Because, and this is something that I, I didn't say, and I, 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 I tread on this lightly, because we talk about sobriety, and we talk about we can, we can be drunk on something, and, and we use, like, substance, or we, you know, it's always like, well, that's drugs and alcohol, that's poor decisions. But some of you are not sober-minded, and it's something that is, is in a lot of ways, not in every way, in a lot of ways, beyond your control. Because what if they ask you for help and, and my anxiety is just so bad right now. I just got a call from the one person that I didn't need to get a call from and I made a mistake. I think I get fired. Not right now. Daddy's not in a good place. Just not right now. Right now, right now, right now. And you're not sober-minded either. Maybe from no fault of your own regardless whether we've dug the pit or we fell into a trap, regardless, I believe that Jesus can help you out of that pit. Whoever's fault it is that you're in there. Not one of us is without sin. Not one of us has never been into a pit. And I believe that Jesus will help you out. And that's why I, I spent a full day trying to convince you that you need the church. And you've been in that pit for so long that you think that you can't get out. But you need someone to help you. You need someone to hold you accountable. And you have tried, but you have tried in your own power. You've never actually had help before. And I believe that God will bring you out of that. And until you can get out of that, you can't run to the Father because you're stuck. Not sober-minded. Your fault, their fault, doesn't matter whose fault. If you're stuck, the Father wants to bring you out. And he chose the church as a vehicle to help you get there. Believe it or not, we need each other. It's weird for me to need someone flawed. It's weird for you to need someone flawed, but we do. And we have to be sober-minded. I didn't know a lot about addiction before I moved to Ranger. I've learned a lot. And I'm not, that's not a shot at Ranger, that's probably just ministry in general. But you don't see people break addiction on their own very often. I have seen, and I have seen an increased cases, this might be a new term for you, uh, I have seen an increased amount of cases for people who have quit drinking, but they actually uh, never filled themselves with anything in its place, and we call that being a dry drunk. Anybody heard this term before? And so literally, uh, and I know this sounds, if, if, if you're not into the addiction world, I know this sounds like something that could not possibly exist, but there are people who are in such a bad state, and, and they're in drunkenness, and then they get alcohol out, but the state stays the same. We call it being a dry drunk. Let me explain spiritually what happens uh, when this goes on. I'm going to skip verses and, and do this, okay? Forgive me on the computer. Matthew 12, 23 through 45. I'm so sorry, and then I'm going to go back. Listen to this, okay? When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest but doesn't find any. A, a demon has been cast out. Then it says, I'll go back to my house that I came from returning. It finds the house vacant, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. That's how it will also be with this evil generation because this person has cast a demon out defensively. Why? Because I don't want the demon anymore. They never cast it out offensively. What does that mean? This demon's got to be gone because I want to be closer to Jesus. They cast the demon out, but nothing ever filled the void. And so the demon came back worse than it ever was. Now, do you know this about addiction? Do you know that when, when you break an addiction, 
you, you pretty much start over with life. If you break the addiction of your phone, you're gonna realize how many relationships have suffered from that addiction and you're going to have to rebuild those relationships. When you break an addiction, you have to start over on all the positive things. But when you go back to an addiction, you don't get to start over. You pick up where you left off. Did you know that about addiction? I mean, if, if, you, if you left on, on this many eight balls a day or if you left on uh, th- this much booze per day or if you left with this much screen time per day or, or this many hours in pornography a day, when you go back, you pick right back up where you left off. You don't get to start over. And so the difference is I don't want to just get rid of something so that it's not there. I want to get that away so that I can fill myself with something else. And that's why even even secular therapists will tell you, if I can get someone to believe in God, the therapist may not even believe in God. If I can get them to fill themselves, if I can get themselves to have a purpose, they're so much less likely to jump back in because there's no void there. They've moved from, I can't do this now, to that's not the kind of person I am anymore. Why? Because I'm someone else. I have a new identity. I've been made new. I have something inside of me. I can't let the Lord down. Look at all that he's done for me. It's different. And we have things that have, have given us a state of drunkenness, we're not sober-minded, and I want you to be sober-minded, but I'm telling you, don't do it just for the sake of I don't want anything to control me. That's not enough. Do it to get closer to Jesus because you have to fill the void. I'm going back now on the computer. Okay, picking back up where we left off. Um, First Peter 1, 13, where we, where we started. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 and 15. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Set your Hope, set your hope offensively on someone, on Jesus. Why? Ephesians chapter four, verse 27. I hope, I hope whoever's on the computer doesn't quit me today. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Set my hope on Jesus. Why? Because when you lose hope, you give the devil an opportunity to steal everything, and he will. The Bible says that Satan has come to kill and to steal and destroy. If you've been robbed here before, when we live in a little bit different demographic. If you've been robbed here before, you were probably robbed by someone who had been to your place on friendly terms first. And Satan is no different. He's just scouting you out, looking for weaknesses, looking for when you're away, looking for when you're vulnerable. And he will steal everything you have. You won't get closer to God by walking away from him. But when you walk away from him, you may meet Satan. (laughs) And he will steal your joy I've got to set my hope on something. If I want to be sober-minded, I've got, I've, I've got to get my mind right. I've got to get rid of anything that causes a, a state of drunkenness, a mindset of distraction. And then I have to set my hope on something. Well, Pastor, I've already done that. Okay. Okay, and this is not my favorite topic. But have you? 
believing in God and setting your hope in Christ is not the same thing. Okay? And, and here's, your, here's your test. Who do you obey? Because that's who you've set your hope in. And we, we do that. Going back to the, the sober-minded thing, like I've set my hope on Jesus, but I come home from a hard day, and what do I take my day out on? The liquor cabinet. Now, the liquor cabinet may be my wife. Understand that, ladies. Some of you may want to break the engagement because you might realize that you are the liquor cabinet. Men, you might be the liquor cabinet because I come home and I take my frustrations out on this. I don't treat it right. I use it to medicate myself, right? And we do that with relationships. This relationship is here to medicate my wounds and my hurts. Not my favorite topic. But who do you obey? That's who you set your hope in. Let's go a step farther. That's your master. (laughs) Think about a a master-slave relationship. Who does the slave obey? The master. So whoever you're obeying is the Master, I've got to set my hope on the Lord. I mean, let, me give you, let, me, let me give you some scripture, and I'm, I'm going to tie this up. This is, it's, it's a heavy day, but hopefully it's a breakthrough day. Romans 6, 16. Are we caught up up there? Yes. Okay. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either sin leading to death or of, or of obedience leading to righteousness? Well, I'm not a slave to sin. Okay. I hope not. And the church wants to help you there. But who are you obeying? When it comes between God wants this for you and you want something different for you, there's God and there's sin. Which one are you choosing? And this is, again, not judgment because every one of us have chosen a different master other than Jesus, which is why we appreciate his love so much. Can you imagine loving someone who had cheated on you as much as you have cheated on God? Can you imagine that? There's not a human in this world you wouldn't have kicked to the curb. Had they cheated on you as much as you've cheated on God. That's why we love him so much because his love is like charity. He gives it with nothing in return, but still you've got to choose him eventually. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. This is how we know that we know him. Ready? This is a biggie. If we keep his commands, the one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. And here we are at the root of the problem. And every one of us have experienced it. I'm not above this. You're not above this. If you think someone's setting on you in judgment right now, if you think anybody's thinking about you right now, you're wrong. We're all thinking about ourselves, including this guy, okay? Because we've all done this to the Lord. No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I don't think this applies to only money. I, I, I think if you read this in context, it could be, <laughs> it could be anything else that we choose to serve over God. If you love him, you obey him. In perfection, no. If, if there was perfection, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die for us. He would have never had to sacrifice himself to, to atone for our sin because there would have been no sin to atone for. There would have been nothing to have to pay for. He bought us at a price. He knew the price. Your sin gives you that price. It's, this is not in a state of perfection. This is in a state of conscious decision. I'm going to choose you, Lord. I, I will stumble and I will fall. But I will get up and I will follow you again. I've thought about this every day for a very long time because I see 
absolute warriors for the kingdom. And I know, I know, it sounds like I'm about to give my Matt Foley inspirational speech. But I'm serious. Do you understand that this pandemic has brought churches to the ground, that they are closing, that ministers are retiring in just alarming numbers, and you are still growing, and you are still bringing people, and your families are still getting closer to God in the midst of some of the hardest seasons you've ever been through in your life? You are an incredible people, and God has things for you to do. We have more churches to plant. We, the, the Bible says not to ask for the har- harvest, but ask for the workers. You're the workers, and you're dang good at your job. And I see people who have so much that they're already doing, but so much more that, that, they, that they can do. And you have neighbors and you have friends and you have loved ones that will come alongside you and do it with you. And there's one problem. I have a master keeping me from going any farther. I have a, I have a spirit of, of, of drunkenness. I am unprepared to go farther because there's something That is my evening liquor cabinet that I continue to choose over Jesus. And God wants to free you and God wants to use you and this is not a healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's gonna cost you money. It's gonna cost you time. It's gonna cost you energy, but it will bring you more than anything ever has. It will fill you. It will fill that void and the only person you will follow is the one that you choose to follow, not the one that you hate to follow. He offers you freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's Galatians 5.1. He wants you free from anything that tries to control you over himself. He is jealous for his bride. That's the point in this world. Why would he make it? Why would he make Satan? Why would he create a world where there's sin? And why would he do all these things? Because he's courting you. He wants to get married. I know that's weird if you're a dude, but he's reaching out to you. That's the point in this whole thing is one day he will come back for his bride and just like many of you you I, listen I, I i met my wife early i met my wife young i did not propose until she had had a semester of college because i wanted her to meet some other dudes meet some other people before she chose me because i didn't want to look over my shoulder going was i just a lack of decisions because i still can't quite figure out why she's even with me but i wanted to make sure it wasn't for a lack of decisions you don't have a lack of decisions you have temptation at every turn and he's courting you he wants you it's not a healthy wealthy and wise thing it's love and he's bringing you i want you i'm jealous for you that's the point in your life that's the reason you exist because he loves you and he's courting you and he wants you to choose him but metaphorically i'm engaged to him but please don't look at my dms right why because i have a master I have a spirit of drunkenness. I want to get closer to him, but I, but I can't because I can't meet with him in the same way that I can't help my daughter with her homework on most evenings. Do I love my daughter? Absolutely, I love my daughter, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm drunk on rage or I'm drunk on anxiety or I'm drunk on booze or I'm, I'm drunk on my phone and they're just, I literally, I have no time for you. Which is a tragedy in its own, by the way. By the way, kids spell love, T-I-M-E, just in case you didn't know that. But the father, when, when, when do you meet with him? Let me ask you, what are you going through right now? Let me ask you, when, when did you pray about it last? I'm not talking about before mealtime. Not when did you pray last. When did you meet with him last? Who we obey, that's our master. Worship team, I want you to come up. I have one minute to finish and you have one minute to do an entire song, okay? What do I do, pastor? Okay, here's what you do. Ready? You got your note section out? Get rid of your evil master. (laughs) Simple as that. Just kick it out. How? You need help. You need the church. You need accountability. Are you awesome? Yeah, you're awesome. Can you do it yourself? Maybe. But even if you do, if you don't fill it with something, you're a dry drunk. Let the church help. How? What do you have to offer me? First of all, 
this is my friend supporting the lovely red beard here, Dusty. On, on Tuesdays, uh, we have a class for addiction. And it's, it's been going for, how long, is, how long has this class been going? Six months, a year? Uh, it's awesome. If you have an addiction, we would love for you to attend. That's what it's there for. That's what, it's what the church is, is doing. And, and I'm telling you, these dudes are thriving. It's hard. It's a hard world that they're living in, and, and they're doing well. We invite you to that. Beginning in February, us as a church on Sunday nights, we will have a discipleship class. And we're talking about how to get closer to God. I want you to be able to read the scripture and pull something out of it. And we think that you're gonna go through this and it's, it's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna be cool. Everybody, everybody hangs out and we have a good time. But we truly believe that by the time you go through this discipleship class, you will be able to sit down on your own, open up the word of God and meet with the Lord for yourself and like it. <laughs> I'm the only one laughing. Y'all have said this to me. I, I tried to read it. I just didn't get it. You will. So starting in February, Sunday nights, we have uh, a discipleship class going. Those are two of the first things that we have. You have people to your left and right who are absolutely flawed humans who have gone through exactly what you've gone through, and they need somebody to hold them accountable just like you need somebody to hold you accountable. So we have a church. You need to replace evil with good. You need to replace a bad master with a good master. You need Jesus, and he has freedom for you. I'm going to close with a story about someone that you don't know. A friend of mine, I began ministry early, 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 early. And I've had the unfortunate experience of watching uh, young ministers that I began with fall out of the ministry. And one of my all-time favorites, really gifted dude, really huge and instrumental part of, of me being who I am and why I am the way that I am. And we were serving in a place where it was not okay to admit that you were struggling. And he worked in his office by himself on a computer 40 hours a week and he was falling to temptations churches tend to frown on that it was not okay for him to admit to anyone that he was struggling and so he tried to overcome it himself and so now a very gifted minister who's still a wonderful person and a friend of mine has not served in the ministry in 10 years and probably never will again. It's sad. The Bible said not to ask for the harvest, but for the workers. And I've watched worker after worker drop out because it wasn't okay to admit that you're a human and that you need help. That's what the church is for. We've got to attack some things before they absolutely eat us up. And we all need help. Because if you're going to get closer to God, He's going to have to be in charge. And if I'm going to meet with God, drunk is not the way to do it. I say this because I want you to be liberated. I want you to be free from an evil master. I want to hear you tell the story about how God brought you through something that you never thought that you would be on the other end of, on the other side of. And we have those stories already, but there's so many more to be had. He's gonna use you in a big way. And that's how we start, sober-minded. Father, we love you. We thank you that you have not given up on us. And God, I thank you that you will not give up on us. God, there are, our minds are wrecked right now with things that we know keep 
keep us from getting closer to you. And God, I pray that you will help us with these things, God. Um, God, we want to take steps and we don't even know where. Church, I, just as I'm praying, this is just this is on my heart and I, I believe that the Lord is going to do this for you. You have things that are keeping you from getting closer to God and He's going to give you, you look in the next couple weeks, if you have your eyes open, like spiritual eyes, if you have your eyes open, God is going to give you some ways out. The Bible says that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful. Uh, when it's too much for you, He will provide a way out. He is going to provide that way out. He's going to, you've got a bat in your hand and He's literally going to set the ball on the tee. I'm asking you to hit the ball. I'm asking you to take the way out. It might be uncomfortable. You know what else is uncomfortable? Staying where you are. I believe the Lord is going to do that for you. God, I pray now that you will set that up. I pray that you will provide that divine appointment. I pray that you will provide that opportunity, Father, for your kingdom's sake, for your glory, and for the benefit of your people, God. That you would bring them through this. That you would allow us to be ministers, Father. That Ranger could be this enormous aircraft carrier that is launching missionaries and servants all over the world uh, to wage war for you and your kingdom, Father, with love. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Baskets are going to come up. And part of the way that we worship is with our tithe and offering. But also, uh, you have a section if you if there's something that you need something you're going through we are not we don't have we know, we know Jesus we know the Bible okay we're not pretending to be uh, the, the the best at everything but we will walk with you and we can make you that we can make you that uh, claim but we want to do that we we love you we want to walk with you uh, so write that down let us know on your notes section if you don't want to write that down, I completely understand. Wait until uh, service is over. We'll be here. We are, we are, we are right here. Grab us and uh, talk to us. But we want to walk with you. We want to see you uh, liberated. So uh, those are going to come forward, and that's the appropriate place to put that. But the worship team is here, and man, I'm telling you, I can vouch for these people. They want to, they want to minister your souls. They know the Lord. Okay. Uh, you can you can speak with with me. I just there's so many people that I can, I just I want you to meet them. I want you to meet them because they've been there and the church helped them and they're on the other side, not better than you, just not mastered. And they want to walk with you. So uh, please stand and worship with us. And whatever the Lord is asking you to do, I just ask that you will be brave enough to do it.